Well, howdy y'all. Welcome to Once Upon a Time in Texas with episode number 54. That's right, folks. We've been at this just a little over a year. And by we, I mean me <laughs> and y'all as listeners. I'm your host, Michael Mitchell. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, already been kind of a busy week. I've got one daughter that is our uh, Order of the Arrow... I can't talk this morning. Order of the Arrow Lodge Chief. Uh, Order of the Arrow is a part of Boy Scouts. And uh, it's the Society for Honored Campers. And it's kind of based around Native American themes. And anyway, she's our Lodge Chief. And it is the elections time of year. So she's always going about nine different directions. Daughter number two is in color guard at her local high school, which normally you would think, you know, oh, color guard, that's normally just when the band and football is going on. And I would say, nay, nay. Obviously, you didn't know about the dark, seedy underworld of uh, color guard. Um, yeah, after, after color guard season with the band and the football team, they go into what they call winter guard. And, uh, yeah, that, that is just a whole lot of stuff that I didn't even know existed. So, you know, but here I am living the dream. They go and compete. Um, most of them happen in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And so I feel like I've been more, I've been down to the Metroplex more in the last month than I think I have been in the last two years. So, but, you know, we spend a lot of money. We go down there. We watch her compete for four to five minutes. And then we hang around and we watch others. <laughs> and then we come home usually late at night or very, very early in the morning. But you know what? It is what it is. She's a happy girl. So we're just, yeah, I guess we're living that uh, that color guard parenting dream. Uh, and then my son, of course, he's busy doing scouts and all that kind of stuff as well as shooting. So yeah, we've been, we've been a little busy lately. Um, plus, I know that we, you know, I always talk about getting into... Uh, or I always get into the mortgage stuff just a little bit. But yeah, I mean, we've we've started a new branch here in Wichita Falls, serving Texas and Oklahoma, and, and really any of the total 15 states that Victory Home Loans, you know, covers. And so really, honestly, been a pretty busy guy on, uh, on many counts lately. My wife is also the uh, president of the Red River Regional Science and Engineering Fair, or, yeah, RRRSEF. And so she's been raising money for that. Um, the science fair hadn't been going here in quite a while, and I guess two years ago she did a, an unjuried science fair just to kind of get some attention and get things moving. And then last year, they actually made it a juried science fair. And uh, this year, they are up and going as a full nonprofit. And they are going to be sending the winners of said science fair to L.A. to compete in the, in the U.S. science fair. 
I guess, in a month or two. So, pretty good deal. Very active. Lots of good stuff going on. Oh, and I'm also a member of uh, the Wichita Falls Southwest Rotary Club, which is amazing. And, uh, yeah, I'm the Sporting Clays Chair, so we've got a big Sporting Clays coming up. So we've got all that going on, and then the American Legion that sponsors our troop, um, Troop 2. It's American Legion Post 169. Has a barbecue cook-off competition thing going on this weekend. They've been doing that for a while now. And uh, my wife, she might have bit off a little more than she can chew. Probably bit off more than she should have. But she is making all the awards for said barbecue uh, competition. And I think there's like 12 awards. And uh, she desperately wanted to use her 3D printer. And so if you can hear the little bit of whine in the background, that's her 3D printer printing. And the uh, the award she chose looked like a Claymore, you know, because it's the American Legion. And uh, it's pretty cool, but each Claymore to to print it off, I guess, you know, this this award. Like I said, it's a 3D printer, so it's printed off in plastic, and it just it looks like a Claymore. And uh, <laughs> each one of these takes like 28 hours to print. And she's been working on this for a while. And so, uh, yeah, anyway. I don't know, maybe we do too much sometimes, but we love being a part of our community and these organizations that we are in. So, it is what it is. So, all right. Let's jump into what this is about this week. Roadside attractions are something from really almost a forgotten era now. Um, They were huge when the U.S. highway system started being built. um, And it gave people a place to, you know, pull their cars off the road, you know, stop, take a break, get out of their car, check their car. And then a lot of times it just gave them a reason to stop. And so... You know, and of course, a lot of these roadside attractions are gas stations or, you know, gift shops, things like that. So, of course, nowadays, we travel significantly faster. And cars are a lot safer and more comfortable, so we just tend to get in them and go without stopping a whole lot. I mean, my family's like that. We get in the car and we go. We just want to get to wherever we're going. And there's usually not a whole lot of stopping. So I just kind of wanted to take a look at some roadside attractions that are around here in Texas, including a grave, which is a little weird, but we'll talk about that. That's my last one. So before we take a look at some of these roadside attractions, as always, I do want to thank our sponsors, me and Victory Home Loans. So I know there are tons of people out there moving, and I'm sure a lot of you guys know some folks that are looking to move into a home of their own, new home, or maybe a bigger home, or a smaller home, whatever the case may be. If you know someone that's looking to buy a house, send them my way. Send them on over to themichaelmitchell.com, T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. Remember, like I said, we serve 15 states, 
And so uh, send them my way. I'd love to talk to them and see if they are in a state where I can help them out. So themichaelmitchell.com. Um, remember, I work hard to make that process faster, cheaper, and easier for the clients. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, getting a mortgage isn't necessarily fun. Everybody wants the house, but they don't want the payment. <laughs> and so, you know what? I get it. People don't want what I'm selling, and that's okay. But I do like helping people get into homes of their own and making that dream happen. So remember, when you work with me, I sell dreams, not mortgages. So there you go. So where did this week's idea come from? Well, Facebook, of course. A story popped up about a grave in a small Texas town, but it's in the middle of the road. And, uh, you know, we'll get to that shortly. Um, but that really kind of got me thinking about roadside attractions. And, you know, just some of the ones that I've seen over the years. And I thought, I wonder what kind of ones are in Texas. And uh, I kind of wanted to look at some that are still around and kind of cool, but they're not the ones that everybody kind of knows about. Um, kind of like the Cadillac Ranch, you know, out in Amarillo where all the Cadillacs are buried face down. We've talked about that one before. Or uh, Stonehenge. Uh, I guess the Texas Stonehenge that's down around... Uh... Oh, shoot. I just drew a blank. Now Fredericksburg. Dang it. Um, Kerrville. Gosh, couldn't pull that out. But yeah, that the Texas Stonehenge is kind of down by Kerrville. Anyway, so that's kind of where this idea came from. And so I pulled up a couple that just kind of caught my eye and a couple of them I've actually been to. So number one is the Flying Herd of Buffalo in Abilene. So before I get into that one too much, I, I do want to thank and say texashighways.com uh, is where I scored the information, some of this information from this week. Um, Texas Highways is a great magazine. I've picked it up a lot over the years, read it. It's good stuff. And then, of course, you know, their online presence, texashighways.com, is pretty cool, too. They've always got cool stuff. So here's what Texas Highways had to say about the flying herd of buffalo in Abilene. It says the flying herd of buffalo towering over the eastern edge of downtown Abilene isn't an illusion created by a blazing sun, but the realization of local artist H.C. Zachary's dream of paying homage to what he calls the big semi-mystical beast. Now my parents and I uh, or my family and I, I guess, raise bison out in Henrietta. We've got like 20-something head right now. They're all big babies, and they follow Dad around like a bunch of puppies, But uh, which I'm not super fond of because Dad, I mean, I guess they could just run you over at any time. But anyway, he walks amongst them, and uh, they make me nervous a little bit. But they're still cool animals. I don't know what they would think about being called the big semi-mystical beast. <laughs> Fluffy assault cows, maybe. Because um, we've all seen those videos of uh, people trying to pet the bison or getting too close in uh, Yellowstone. And uh, anyway, but, but they do kind of have something mystical about them. They just, I don't know. 
everybody that sees him just kind of goes, whoa. And that's the reaction that we get. I mean, they, they really are just kind of mystical or magical. There's just something about them that just, I don't know, gets into your soul. But anyway, they're, they're kind of cool. So this herd in Abilene of eight can be seen day or night. They are trimmed in lights and serve as a beacon to the downtown attraction called Frontier Texas, which I've been to, and it's great. It's an interactive museum and official visitor center that highlights the history of West Central Texas with the buffalo as the central figure. So the buffalo was the lifeblood of our immediate part of the country and beyond, says the artist Zachary. He is a, uh, an artist, like I said, history buff and businessman who really kind of conceptualized both Frontier Texas and the Flying Buffalo Herd. So it's made of steel and it was placed at the museum in 2013. The herd is a totally local project. So from Zachary's idea to the fabrication and installation of the sculptures by employees of Rentec Boiler Systems, um, each of the one-dimensional buffalo is 8 feet tall, 12 feet long, and weighs over a 1,000 pounds. And each buffalo rotates, well, they say buffalo, but it's, it's really a bison, which I'll get to here in a second. So each of these rotates 360 degrees, creating the unofficial status of the largest weather vane in the world. So just real quick before I get into the rest of this, um, the difference between buffalo and bison. So we all commonly call bison buffalo. But really, buffalo worldwide are, they're talking about like water buffalo. And there's even like, you can buy hats or gloves or things made from buffalo. And if you look into it, it's actually made from water buffalo, which is basically kind of a big kind of cow um, that come from other parts of the world. So bison are truly unique and are technically, I guess, not a buffalo, but we still call them buffalo. So it's all good. Use either one. Um, so anyway, this, uh, this flying herd is hard to miss. Um, they're mounted on individual poles, which are 30 to 30 feet, 30 to 35 feet high. And they're spread kind of in a crooked line over 250 feet. And they fly over the parade grounds of frontier Texas. So yeah, it's like I said, it's pretty dang cool. The whole museum is just amazing. And uh, I haven't been there in years, but definitely somewhere I'd like to go back and check out again. So number two is Denny the Dino or Denny the Dinosaur in Ira Ann, Texas. That's right. I said Ira Ann. It is spelled like Iran the country, but with an extra A and they call it Ira Ann. So this was actually where I was a district executive for the Boy Scouts. It's, this was my first tour of duty, I guess, my first duty station. And uh, so I got to see this, and, and it was pretty cool. So back in the spring of 1964, West Texans in towns like Ira Ann were in something of an existential crisis. Agriculture and petroleum were the lifebloods of the economy, and they were kind of 
you know, falling off or waning, if you will. So Ira Ann, which is situated about 80 miles south of Odessa, and if I remember right, it's about 45 miles east of Fort Stockton, um, would have to get creative and cash in on one of the top industries at the time in America's economy. So tourism is the third largest money-making industry in this country, and you'd better get your town in shape if you want a part of this dollar, advised George Jordan, which was head of the West Texas Chamber of Commerce. As reported by the Odessa American at the time, Jordan went on to cite the success of attractions like Six Flags and Happy Shahan's Alamo Village in Brackettville, which were then the two biggest draws in the state. Six Flags, of course, being in Arlington. And then Alamo Village, which I've also been to, was in Brackettville, which is kind of outside of Del Rio. Um, both of them pretty interesting places. So, goes on to say, and I quote, but just because you don't have Six Flags or a state park, don't think for a minute Ira Ann doesn't have something to offer visitors. Dream big is what this guy said. It just so happened the community was hard at work on something that would set it apart. And on May 8, 1964, the city held its first Alley-Oop Day, a celebration of the wildly popular comic strip about a time-traveling caveman created by Vincent Trout Hamlin, or for short, V.T. Hamlin. The slate of events included barbecue, beauty pageants, and live music. So although Hamlin was not a native West Texan, nor even a long-term resident in the area, his now 89-year-old creation in the Alley-Oop comic strip was born and raised in Iran. Without his life-altering stint drawing maps and art layouts for oil companies there, in the 1920s and thereby falling utterly in love with the bewitching Trans-Pecos Desert and Mountains and its literal truckload of prehistoric fossils, Hamlin may have never settled down at all. So again, like it says, apparently he traveled around drawing maps and, and art layouts and stuff for oil companies fell in love with West Texas, and came up with the idea for the Alley-Oop comic strip. So Ira Ann jumps on that bandwagon and creates Alley-Oop Park, <coughs> which is a big park of concrete characters from the Alley-Oop comic strip. And it's a, it's a pretty cool place. The little museum was still open back in the day. Apparently it's not anymore. <clears throat> or I think maybe they're working on it. Anyway, I haven't been out to Ira Ann probably since 2005. Um, it's a ways out there, but trust me, it's it's such a cool place. If you're going down I-10 at all, I highly encourage y'all, make the little jump over to Ira Ann. Um, if you are coming in from the east, you get off on Ozona, and then you take the little road, and Ira Ann's kind of in this little, um, this little valley, I guess, between these plateaus. And the drive-in from the east or west, both of them, it, it doesn't matter, are spectacular. 
because you come in off of this plateau and then you just drop down and then boom, you're an hour in. Plus, they've got a ton of the uh, windmills out there, which are just monsters. It's it's just a cool, cool place. Definitely go check out Ira Ann, Texas. And if anybody from here or uh, from Ira Ann hears this podcast, man, y'all have a cool town. Um, hit me up on uh, on Facebook. Maybe send me some uh, some pictures of what the town looks like now. All right, number three. I've not been to this one, but it sounded interesting. The Killer Bee of Hidalgo. Y'all remember the whole Killer Bee thing back in the early 2000s? Like, or I'm sorry, not early 2000s, the early 1990s. Um, yeah, Killer Bees were going to kill us all. And so Hidalgo, located across from Reynosa, Mexico, in the Rio Grande Valley, or some people shorten it up, just the valley, Hidalgo has a rich multicultural history and a vibrant community. It has two of the largest annual events in South Texas, uh, the Music, Cultural, and Heritage Festival called Border Fest, which I had not heard of, and then the holiday show Festival of Lights, which opens December 1st, and I think I did read about this, runs through like January 4th or 5th. It's also home to the day-trip-worthy Old Hidalgo Pump House Museum and World Birding Center. Yeah, birding as in birds, not birth. So yeah, birding. Um, Because lots of birds travel through Texas as they migrate. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, this sounds really interesting. But in terms of the town's iconic, or sorry, enduring iconography, that's what Texas Highway said. That's hard to say. It's going to be hard to beat the 2,000-pound killer bee statue that inhabits the entrance to Hidalgo City Hall. So how did this large insect sculpture come to stand in Hidalgo? And perhaps more importantly, why? So the buzz started in 1990 when the first colony of Africanized killer bees was found to have reached the United States via Brazil. The outcome, literally, of a scientific experiment gone bad. The bees decided to settle just outside of Hidalgo upon arrival, where news of the event provoked widespread panic among many, and for Hidalgo, threatened to undermine the strong community spirit for which the town is known. In a flash of inspiration, the Chamber of Commerce, led by Director Joe Vera, approached then-Mayor John Franz about turning the occasion that might have swept under the proverbial rug a lesser community into a bold symbol of resilience. We need to put Hidalgo on the map, Franz told the Houston Chronicle in 1993, and the gears of the merchant machine began to spin. The killer bee of Hidalgo, or the world's largest killer bee as it's advertised, was commissioned for $20,000 by Mayor Franz and the city of Hidalgo with sculptor and roadside attraction manufacturer Jerome Vetris of Sparta, Wisconsin, constructing a two-scale replica of the menacing insect. The black and yellow sculpture itself is made of 
steel overlaying with a fiberglass exoskeleton, and the whole creature reaches about 10 feet tall and 20 feet long, not including its antenna. So, you know, kudos to y'all down there in Hidalgo for turning a negative into a positive. That's pretty cool. And I remember the whole deal about the Africanite killer bees and they were going to take over the country and kill us all. I haven't heard anything about killer bees in a long time. I don't know if they're contained or wiped out or what. Who knows? Maybe that's something I'll look into. So number four. <clears throat> the grave in the middle of the street. This is what led me on this little, uh, you know, down the rabbit hole, I guess. So this is Holly Tatnell's grave in Hearn, Texas. Hearn is H-E-A-R-N-E. So the oddity that is a random grave along your route comes with quite the story, of course, naturally, here in Texas. Such is the case for Holly Tatnell, a black woman whose final resting place can be found in the middle of the road in Hearn. And I have driven past this and thought, what the heck, there's a grave right there. And I don't know that I ever stopped and looked. Maybe I did. Um, there's not a whole lot known about Holly Tatnell, but here is the little bit that I was able to find about the grave and whatnot. So according to researchers... Tatnell was born into slavery in 1859 in Texas and then passed away in 1911. So at the time of her death, Tatnell was buried in a reported slave-bearing ground that became an African-American cemetery after slavery was abolished. So in 1947, decades after Tatnell's death, the cemetery was uprooted for the sake of real estate development after the land was purchased by a real estate developer. The bodies of the buried had to be exhumed and their loved ones forced to place them elsewhere. But Tatnell's family fought back and refused to accept the decision her children said that they wanted her to remain where she was since it was located very close to where she grew up. So they did. Um, they respected those wishes, I guess. I'm sure there was some sort of um, court hearing and, and fighting. But anyway, the developers said, fine, leave her there. And sadly, the developers went ahead with their project to construct a neighborhood and they just constructed a median around Tatnell's diagonal grave. So to be specific, her grave literally lies in the middle of Wheelock Street in the small town of Hearn, located about 26 miles northwest of College Station, where Texas A&M is. There is now a placard at her gravesite that reads to the memory of our mother, Holly Tatnell, which her children put up with her original headstone, and it reads, Come Ye Blessed. In 2007, the state of Texas recognized Tatnell's grave as a historic Texas cemetery. So it also has a Texas Historical Commission sign that reads, This, sig uh, this single grave serves as a reminder of the area's early African-American community and of the sanctity of the burial grounds. 
So there you go. So uh, Holly Tattnall is right in the middle of Wheelock Street in Hearn, Texas. So it's kind of a uh, kind of interesting, I guess. Um, there's another Texas town. Uh, I think it's a Texas town. Might be Oklahoma. That has a, a pump jack right in the median that's still pumping oil. And uh, yeah, so all kinds of stuff. So Holly Tattnall remains at peace in the grave where she was buried so many years ago. So kind of interesting. So there you go. There's four roadside attractions here in Texas to go check out. And uh, yeah. So there's a ton more and I may do more later. But that's a good start. So what do y'all think? Let me know. What other weird and off-the-wall stuff in Texas history do y'all want to hear about? Please let me know. Because although I do come up with a lot of these ideas, I've got a lot of folks that do send me ideas and I go do the research and bring them to you. So shoot me some ideas. I've noticed that there are some people from out of the country. Um, Last week we had folks from Canada, Australia, the Netherlands, uh, a few others from the UK. Um, What do y'all want to hear about Texas? Get on my Facebook group, Once Upon a Time in Texas, and send me a message. Um, What is it about Texas that just captures your interest? What is it about my podcast? So shoot me some messages. Let me know. I'd love to hear from y'all. As always, don't forget, if you know someone who's moving, send me a message. Send them my way. TheMichaelMitchell.com, T-H-E, MichaelMitchell.com. Let me help them get into that dream house that they have been looking for. I love making people laugh and smile, and I love helping people get into homes of their own. So there you go. Thank you all for tuning in to Once Upon a Time in Texas. And as always, remember, the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Y'all have a great week.